You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. Hello, Eagles fans, and welcome to episode nine of this season of the Eagles Insider Podcast. I am Chris McPherson. Pleased to be joined alongside by Alex Smith as we celebrate the Eagles 2-0 start. It's a great feeling here in Philadelphia, to say the very least. So another phenomenal podcast coming up. Again, the Pittsburgh Steelers come to town. Both teams are undefeated. The Steelers, I think, are primary contenders to win the AFC this season. Mm -hmm. Nothing so far has changed my opinion on that. And it's going to be a great litmus test for the Eagles. Carson Wentz can't say anything more about how great he has been in his first two weeks, but also give Doug P some love. Absolutely. Coach Pearson, I think, has opened a lot of eyes as well, getting the team on track and getting them to respond the way that he has. So With Doug, it's everything from not just his play calling, which has been great, but how he manages the game, yep. how he designs some of the plays or things that we really haven't seen before, and just how the team re- responds to him. We saw his post-game speech that he gave after both of the two wins, mm-hmm. and it just seemed like he has a real control of this locker room and the, the players seem to really enjoy being around him. So Doug's doing a great job. Carson's been awesome. The defense has been stellar. So I know it's just two games and I know maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves, but it's been two pretty fun games. So speaking of the defense, last week on the podcast, we had linebacker Jordan Hicks and a phenomenal interview with not just he, but his high school coach, Larry Cox as well, who told some great anecdotes about Jordan Hicks and what he was like back in high school growing up there in Ohio. But this week, we have another great one and another big player on the defense, and that's defensive end, Vinny Curry. We're going to get into a lot of topics with him. He is such a great character, phenomenal personality. You know, we all know he grew up an Eagles fan. He's a diehard WWE fanatic. So we're going to get into meeting Ric Flair and just kind of go through his whole journey here in Philadelphia. It's going to take a couple crazy twists and turns here, but this is going to be a fun ride for everyone to listen to. Yeah, Vinny's a really funny character. I think he's always been that way. But a guy who's evolved into a leader over his time here in mm-hmm. Philadelphia, obviously does a tremendous job at that defensive end position, but he's really become that leader. We see him out there with the pregame huddle every day doing the Ric Flair woo. We all we got, we, we all, all we need. got. So you'll see him out there before every game. The team seems to, to really respond to him. But Vinny's a very, very fun guy. All right. And then a little bit later on, as we do on the podcast, we bring in someone who helped get the player to where he is today. And we have Vinny's mentor from Neptune, New Jersey, Jeremiah Clark. He was a volunteer coach during Curry's senior season at Neptune High School. He's a retired Neptune, New Jersey police officer. So he still talks to Vinny to this very day, was with him the day he was drafted. So a lot of great stories and just a real unique perspective of seeing Vinny transform from a high school senior all the way to the player and the man he is today. But first, we're going to kick things off here with defensive end Vinny Curry. Vinny, welcome to the podcast. Man, thank you, man. Thank you guys for having me. Vinny, I want to go back in time to start things off with you. Right. What was life like in Neptune, New Jersey for you as a young man? Like any other situation, you know, tough upbringing, but happy. How was it tough? I didn't live in the safest neighborhood or on the safest street, but football kept me out of trouble. I would like to say, you know, sports played a big part of my upbringing and keeping me out of trouble and teaching me characteristics that I use today. So Now, Neptune is in Monmouth County. Yep. I grew up in Union County. That's like Giants country. So how did you end up being an Eagles fan versus a Giants fan? Man, as a kid, my brother was a Cowboys fan and... Really? Uh, yeah. See, that I never knew. 
We've yeah. heard you're an Eagles fan, but brother was a Cowboys fan. Okay. Right. And my aunt Tracy is an Eagles fan. She used to give me a lot of Eagles things back then, and you start following the Eagles, and the rest is history. Who's your favorite player growing up? I have so many, bro. It's just got to be between B Dog and Brian Westbrook. It's interesting you mentioned those two because when you were drafted, player who called your name right. was B West. And on the first day you come here to Novacare as a Philadelphia Eagle officially was Brian Dawkins. Yeah, that was sick. Do you recall what that was like? It was neat, man. It was awesome to be a part of and a surreal feeling. Was it a shock for you, though? Because I know you'd just been drafted, but you're finally here inside the building and Brian Dawkins, a player you looked up to forever, is there in front of you. Is it shocking? I think from the whole week of the draft, leading up to the draft, and to that week after the draft, I still was just on cloud nine, just floating. Did you envision that the Eagles could have been a possibility? I can't recall your pre-draft process to see if they had shown a lot of interest to kind of give you a heads up. The defensive line coach at the time worked me out. He actually came to my school and worked me out, and that was pretty cool. And I I knew it was a possibility, but once I see the Eagles go with their first two picks, I didn't know what would happen. It was Fletcher and Michael Kendricks Mm -hmm. in that draft. So all three of you guys, really, with yourself, with Michael, with Fletcher, not only did you guys kind of make your mark with the team, but you also all earned new contracts. I mean, you guys are kind of the core of the defense right now. Right. How cool is that just to be part of that group? It's really made their mark here in Philly. Oh, man, it's great. Those two guys is good friends of mine now, and the brotherhood we done built only could get better and better um, with time. So, When did the Eagles approach you about a long-term deal? Maybe towards the end of the season. So it wasn't until after the season happened, when all the changes was happening, it was kind of before kind before, of before all that yep. stuff started coming together. Right after you. the change had happened. So was that a sense of, you know what, I can't wait to see what the future brings. I, I want to be a part of this long term. What was going through your mind during that time where, where so much was up in the air? You know, you just wanted to make sure that, you know, you've seen the big picture and you've seen your options. And, then, you know, you just wanted to make sure that I did the right thing. What was it about the Eagles that made the right decision long term? I mean, outside of growing up as a fan and mm-hmm. that whole thing where, you know, you could possibly play your entire career for one team and it's right. a team you grew up playing for, but specifically this situation here, what made it right? First and foremost, it was just, you know, Mr. Laurie, Howie, Frank, Dom, G, Guy, like majority of the building, like these are good dudes, just a good organization. It's just a bunch of great dudes that I built a relationship with for five years on a friendship level. And then, you know, you got Fletcher Cox, Benny Logan, Jason Peters. You know, these are guys that are going to be my friends when I can't play football no more. And it was just like, do you chase the money or do you just put up a chance to be happy? You know what I mean? I'm not saying I wouldn't have been happy somewhere else, but it was just the fact of, you know what? I start clean slate. Here we go. And then the change of the defensive scheme was a big part. So it was just a whole different thing. It's all stirred in one pot. And how tough is it to keep that whole big picture in mind during that time? Because, you know, things didn't end last year the way that a lot of people thought yeah, they were going to. Yeah. Is it tough to keep your thoughts open like that? Yeah. Was people putting a fact check in front of your face? Yes. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you got this team potentially offering you this, that. Well, they're willing to pay you more than what the Eagles are getting ready to give you. And yeah, it was hard. So when did you start leading the huddles before games? Because we saw you at the Tampa right. Bay game in the preseason opener. We saw you do it then. Well, I, I remember a, you did it a few times last year, too. Yeah. But when did that really start? I mean, I do a lot of wrestling skits. That's just who I am. I try to just play my part. Going into New England game, man, we were just fired up. Malcolm thought it was time for me to bring it out. So <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny, but serious. And you see, you see that from breaking down the huddle, carried over to that whole yeah, game, man. Definitely. It was a great feeling. But you had to find it within you to do it. That's not something you can't just ask 
any guy in a locker room oh, no, do. It's got to be this someone. This is what I do, man. Yeah, this, yeah. Is who, this is who I am. This is what I do. I'm a, that wasn't nothing new. My Marshall people tell it. They were saying about time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't nothing new. Did you channel Ric Flair or anyone in particular when you're in, in the huddle in terms of what you're going to say or? No, I basically say the, the same thing all the time, you know, especially leading up to that game. Nobody was expecting us to beat the Patriots, you know, and what I say is on the count of three, we all we got, meaning us, all our Philly fans, let's do what we do. I say on the count of three, we all we got, four, five, six, two claps in the Ric Flair just to let, let it loose. Woo! You know, and that's the reason I was, if the Ric Flair, there was a Ric Flair influence. In that. I mean, yeah, back in college, you know, we do stuff like that, especially getting ready to take a field as a defense. I'd be like, give me two claps in the Ric Flair and the whole defense does it. And that was just like an appetizer. I had so many more <laughs> things that I used to say on a whole different scale. It was just like, but it gets you fired up, though. Yeah. Yes. I was so fired what, so up what's, what's going to come out next? What's the next thing you're going to add to it? Can you, you gotta tell us? You got to feel it, man. You got to feel it. You can't fake the funk. Speaking of Ric Flair, the legend, guy you idolized growing up, right. you finally got the chance to meet him. Yeah. How did you compose yourself, or were you able to compose yourself once you finally met him at WrestleMania? Man, it was awesome, because you know what? I talked to him on the phone before. Okay. So prior to me going to WrestleMania. So how was that arranged? Well, once I signed back with the Eagles, a mutual friend of ours, good guy, by the way, his name is Marty. He said, Rick, want to say something to you? So I got on the phone. I'm like, you serious? He's like, I'm like, yeah. He said, yeah. Hey, kid, congratulations. Don't blow your money. (laughs) And then when I actually got to meet him, man, it was just awesome. So Rick Flair told you not to blow your money. Right. Learn something new today on the Eagles Insider podcast. So that's the only person who you've ever met you were starstruck by? Nah, no, no. No? No, 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 no. Well, you met Kobe too, right? Yeah, hey, I met Kobe. Uh, I used to have this little list of people that you want to meet, and I'm about 97% done. <laughs> okay. You know, Who's left on that? Yeah, that's a big question. P. Diddy, man. I want to meet P. Diddy, man. And hopefully, I can make that happen. Yeah, when they hopefully, get he listens to the podcast. They, yeah. Or they, they come in here for the reunion, the tour. Well, we could swing it over, you know? Yeah, man. I'm trying to, come I, out to I, practice? Yeah, man. I met Mace before. I freaked out when I met Mace. Yeah. Actually, going to a team on a pre-draft visit, I met him in the airport, dude. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it was sick. And was he surrounded by a bunch he of by people? himself, man. He was just by himself. I tweeted at him. He tweeted back. Little did he know that I had a little Twitter following. You know, everybody was going crazy. Like, oh, yo, that's, you know. Speaking of your Twitter following, I need you to explain where Get Flea comes from. Mr. Get Flea, I need a crash course in where it comes from. Well, let me just make it clear. I didn't, like, come up with the name Flea. You know, uh-huh. rapper Cameron, mm-hmm. nickname is Flea. So, well, I just took it as, at one point in time, Cameron was the best-dressed rapper there was. Materialistic-wise, of being a little motivation of things you couldn't afford, or things you couldn't have, and then just being able to get stuff like that, I kind of adopted the nickname. Or stole the nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Is it trademarked? It trademark it now. <laughs> nah, man. I actually met him before. At the six, yeah, the Sixers game. This past year, actually. Really? Yeah. Went up there. You know, he was a real cool dude. And his man was like, oh, yeah, oh your name Flea too, huh? It was, I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Like, I stole yeah, it, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting because I'm sure now you understand what it's like for fans who want to come up to you. Yeah. For like a photo or an autograph. Yeah, and- I mean, absolutely, man. And when you talk about being starstruck or meeting somebody, you know what I mean? The only time I, I probably waited at this party <laughs> from about 9.30, dude, to about 3 in the morning just to take a picture. With who? 50 Cent. It's 50, though. Yeah, man. Like, it's 50. Like my childhood hero or something like that. <laughs> I was, no, no, man. It was cool, though, man. And, and, but we're friends from it. Really? Yeah, yeah. So. It's pretty cool. 
How many doors to celebrities has playing for the Eagles opened? Oh, a lot, you? man. A lot. At the end of the day, you know, we're on the same scale as them. We're in the public eye just like them. And it, it definitely leads to good friendships. I thought it was hilarious not too long ago, speaking of your flea nickname, yeah. when you took your Snapchat account to the locker room. <laughs> and, you turned oh, yeah. everyone, and you turned everyone into the Bumble Flea. Bumble. You turned to Bumble Flea and you got all the players to do it. <laughs> It just showed a different side of not just yourself, but a lot of your teammates, like Jason Peters. He's a yeah. player. Who How did you get Jason Peters to do that? Who doesn't? He doesn't talk much to the media. He's very quiet, <laughs> right. you know. But to see him on there, you're just like, this is gold. Like this is one of the greatest things that I'm ever going to see on here. He might be one of the funniest dudes on the team. No, he yeah. doesn't let us see that really. Man, I mean, listen, that dude might be the, one of the funniest dudes on the team, or one of the funniest dudes. Period. Really, you know, I'm with him more than any anybody I'm with on the team, and. All I do is just laugh at him all day. <laughs> but he done been it all. He done seen it all. You know, shoot. I mean, he's a future first ballot Hall of Famer. One of the greatest tackles to ever play the game. Changed the position. And it's just, that dude is funny, man. I love how he wears the Pro Bowl t-shirts around the facility. Yeah. But he hasn't played in the Pro Bowl in yeah. like three years. He goes like once every couple of years. <laughs> it's like he gets all the t-shirts and then wears them. And it's like. I told him, man, if he make it, man, we gone. But this year, hopefully, I make it, and I'm going to force him to go. Oh, that's a go. good one. I like that. That's a good bet to have right here. So. Yeah, man, it's going to be great. But that dude there, he, he's a funny dude. Going back to your, your childhood growing up, how did you end up from going from Neptune High School to Marshall? I landed at this prep school before I went to Marshall. Which school was it? Harmony Prep. They, they shut down now. I mean, we were just taking names, man. It was unbelievable. And we had a couple guys on there who had TV shows. I'm coming from New Jersey. I'm like, what? You got a what? You might remember the TV show Two Days. You yeah, guys remember, remember. Two Days? Yeah. Uh, MTV? MTV, yeah, sure. Yeah, dude. We probably had like five, four or five players that had key roles on that show. Really? Looking at the, the way the cheerleaders, the way the family, I'm like, well, nah, bro, that can't be real. Like, this is all scripted. He's like, nah, man. They just followed us. You know, they talking about they won uh, four state championships in a row. That's why it doesn't exist anymore because it was pretty much a football factory. And it's no, just... no, no, no. These people came from Alabama, so all these players come from all over the world. So trying to land a scholarship and they help you prepare to take the SAT or your ACT. So once I graduated from there, the NCAA say, "Man, we understand it, what you're trying to do, but we're still gonna flag you." So that ended me up at Marshall. Gotcha. Has a Prop 48, and the rest is history. So how did you turn yourself from a Prop 48 into someone who? You graduated, correct? Mm-hmm. With a perfect 4.0? Uh, I was about to say, make sure you say I, that. I, I want to <laughs> make sure. I want to make sure. Well, I kind of became a straight nerd. One second. <laughs> Dude, because that first year I didn't play. I've been playing football, man, since I was about five years old. So it's the first time that I didn't play football. So it was just like, man, you know what? I'm going to do what I got to do and stay on course, man. I did, man. I worked hard. I worked my tail off. That's interesting because I could see a lot of people go a different direction. I came here to play football. I can't play football. I'm just going to go enjoy myself. I'm not going to put the time into the books. Was there one person who kind of helped you down that path or you just kind of said, you know what? I want to play football so bad that I'm going to do what I need to do in the classroom to make it happen. My aunt was on top of me like no other. She made sure I stayed focused. And the biggest thing was, you know what? Come here, graduate. I got dreams of playing in a National Football League. But let me do the classroom part first, because obviously I'm in the situation I'm in now because I didn't take the classroom serious. When did the NFL start calling? When did you start seeing scouts? And when did you think that, hey, this could really be a possibility? 
When I first got the march, you know how they have posters of game programs and schools on started up. I'm a prop. I made a group of friends that I still talk to to this day, some of my best friends in the world. And I told them, I'm going to be on there by myself one day. They're like, what? But they don't know that I can really play. Uh, you know, they're just right. saying like, yeah. man, we, you with us a day. Yeah, all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was like, okay. So obviously, I did what I had to do. Got back on scholarship. I had a good sophomore season. That following year, man, it was everything else was golden. It was off to the races. So which game did you finally get your picture on the program? Do you remember? Well, sure. It was after the first game. Well, after the second game of my junior year, should I say. Scouts and everything. A lot of people thought it was flukish. I went down to the horseshoe, played Ohio State, sold out game, Ohio State first game. Within the first couple minutes, Terrell Pryor sacked by number 99. Vinny Curry's like, what? All right, well, okay. Once again, it happened again. All you know is that you got two sacks, and then I think I had 10 tackles, and Twitter had just was trying to get big, and I, you know, I didn't really know how to work it then. <laughs> people were like, oh, good game, whatever. I'm tweeting stuff back. I used to say some crazy stuff on Twitter, mind you, because it didn't have nobody managing it like my guy here, Zach. Uh-huh. <laughs> Zach Rowan, shout out yeah. to Eagles, me relations. Yeah, so the following Friday, we played West Virginia at Marshall, and the same thing happened. It's about 10, 12 tackles, two and a half sacks, forced fumble. Next thing you know, I went on Facebook, and it was like, hey, uh, don't you think about coming out for the draft? I was like, what? You see some of the crazy stuff that way. But then that's the advantage social media has. And that's one thing I want to tell these kids, man, is just stay focused. So what is that Marshall-West Virginia rivalry like? Crazy. Man, it's crazy. Eagles-Cowboys, like same intensity, passion as that? Yep. Like I remember my senior year, I'm coming from New Jersey, but driving back to school, stopped at Speedway because I was hungry. And I had to get gas. You must have been hungry. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, <laughs> trying to order some chicken tenders. <laughs> and like you said, everything was on Twitter at one point in time. You know, it was no Instagram yet. It was just Twitter, yeah. Twitter, Twitter. Somebody was like, oh, Vinny Curry just pulled up in a Hummer. Like, where do you get this Hummer from? And I'm like, look on Twitter. And I'm like, what? So now it's close, to, you know, because Marshall opening up the first game with West Virginia. People are like, you're in the wrong part of town, son. And oh, this and that. I'm like, what? More people started coming out, beeping the horn, showing their colors. Let me get out of here before this end bad. I didn't even eat the food. I, just, I left it there. I was <laughs> like, man, oh, yeah, so let me bad. just pay for my gas and I'm gone. This was in West Virginia? In Morgantown. Oh, okay. Why I stopped in Morgantown? I don't know. Son, you are in the wrong part of town. I didn't think nobody wouldn't recognize me. You know what I'm saying? I've been stopping here for years now. (laughs) You know what I mean? On my ride home. Kicking my chicken tenders. Yeah. Chicken tenders after all that. That's (laughs) the worst part. Yo, it's crazy. That's the real crime in this story. I tell Najee that story all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yo, man, y'all was. All I wanted to do was get something to eat. Najee, a former Mountaineer, of course. Yes. Vinny, I wanted to ask you about arguably the best game you had in your college career, and it came after the most difficult event that happened in your life right. with the passing of your mother due to liver cancer. How did you find the ability, the emotion to be able to play in that game right after her funeral? I wasn't even going to do it, but then I was just like, you know what? Might as well do it. But end up having one of the best games in my life. It goes back to what I told you in the beginning. Football kept me out of trouble. Football kind of taught me who I am as a person today. It's just that go-to, man. It's just that escape route that you can go to. I know it's my job, but at the end of the day, I I can escape so many different things by playing the sport. And, then you know, that's why we can't take this sport for granted. 
Obviously, we blessed to do what we able to do and to do what we love and the way we get paid for it. So I'm definitely blessed for everything that this game has given me. What do you think she would tell you right now if she were alive? With all the success that you've had over the last couple of years and earning that long-term contract this offseason. She would tell me, keep going, keep a smile on my face, make sure that, you know, I stay happy. We all got them days that get the best of us. But, you know, just to make sure that I'm smiling, I'm staying positive. That's only just a scratch of the surface, you know. There's a bigger plan than just earning that contract and just so many different things you can accomplish. So now it's just take a deep breath, take a step back, learn a couple things, and then keep going. You mentioned how much football's given to you. Are you now able to turn that into kids who might be into situations like that today, who might look up to you as a role model? Are you able to give back and try to help them through those situations as well? Absolutely, man. Just got to donate to my school. You know, we obviously got a scholarship in my mom's name, hopefully giving it to the prop that was in my situation, you know, and what Marshall can do for him. So, yeah, definitely. Vinny Curry, I think that's all we got for you. Good stuff, Vinny. Thank you very much for joining us here on this edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast. Appreciate it. That was a lot of fun. Special thanks to our producers, Ricky Shu and Brian Thomas, who I know had to trim a little bit from the interview. I think we had Vinny in for about a half hour <laughs> originally. <laughs> and Ricky is behind the glass, like putting his head down like, man, you guys are making me do work here. So if you guys have a real long commute, maybe we have to do the uh, extended version of the podcast. But uh, That's why Ricky Shu's the best in the business. Indeed. Uh, behind the scenes. And again, speaking of the podcast, look, a lot of great feedback on social media, on iTunes, on Stitcher. We appreciate all the ratings and comments. And again, if you have a guest you want to hear from or a segment you want to hear from Alex and myself, just let us know because this podcast is all about you. So we heard from Vinny. Now it's time to hear from his mentor, Jeremiah Clark. Again, a retired police officer from Neptune, New Jersey, was a volunteer coach at Neptune High School for Vinny's senior season, and he's still very good friends with Vinny to this day. Let's learn more about Vinny Curry through the mind of Jeremiah Clark. Jeremiah, you sent us a picture that we are going to post on social media, at Eagles, if you follow on Twitter, that when Vinny got the call from the Eagles that he was selected in the second round of the 2012 NFL draft, he ripped the hoodie that he was wearing, that he was so excited to be drafted by his hometown team, his favorite team, and to become an Eagle. That is correct. That was definitely a moment that we're both going to remember. I've never seen someone Superman a a hoodie before, (laughs) but he did it. Jeremiah, when did you first meet Vinny? It was the summer of 2005, actually, when I came out there volunteering. And I have to say, the first time I even stepped on the field, like, you know, my attention was immediately drawn to him. You could tell right away that, you know, he was basically like a man amongst boys out on that field. What was he like off the field when you first met him? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, like I said, I came from, uh, you know, a law enforcement background. For him, growing up in Neptune, there's one or two ways you're going to go, just like any community. He was kind of on that verge, but he was a quiet kid, like he stayed to himself. But when it came to the sports, the sports is what really kept him grounded, kept him humble about life. So he wasn't in trouble. He wasn't anything like that, but definitely kept in sports. That was his thing. Now, Jeremiah, if I'm correct, you are still the school's single season sack leader with 20 back in 95. Is oh that correct? God. How did you get that? <laughs> we we did our research. We did our research here for the podcast. Come on. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't speak that much about my history of football. I love the game. I love the sport. I'm still passionate about it. Like, even to this day, I tell Vinny, you play every down like it's your last because you're not guaranteed that next down. That's pretty much how I played. And, and I was able to get a couple records, do All-State, All-American, all count, pretty much everything coming out of high school. 
you ever trash talk with Vinny about the fact that he couldn't break the record? <laughs> Actually, you know what? I never really did because I swore that he was going to do it. I think each game I was getting anxious and nervous at the same time watching him <laughs> because even as a coach, I was almost more of a fan watching him because to this day, like, I've never seen someone with that get-off. I mean, there's a couple guys in the league with the get-off like that, but his has always been like that. What was it that kind of separated him? I know you just mentioned his get-off. Or maybe what were some things that he had to work on that you tried to instill in him in that year that you had coaching with him? Well, the one thing that me and him actually share, and that was the main reason why I took to him, is we're very passionate people. When it's something that we love to do, we're very passionate about it. But being young, his passion would tend him to just react in ways that you shouldn't react. His emotions get into. He's a very emotional person. But that just comes with time and maturing. So basically, every opportunity that I saw him reacting to a play that didn't go right or something that just wasn't working, I bring it to the sideline, I calm him down. It even got to the point that I was the only coach on that team, that point, I was able to take him to the side, calm him down. This is what we need to work on. This is what you need to do. Give him different options. Because even to this day, I still tell him, we argue about it. But that swim move, that head bob, that's my move. I gave him that move. But, you know, you said this is, I thought, I'm like, no, I taught you that. So what were some of the things that you tried to do to push him and encourage him to make sure that he continued through with not only football, but his studies as well, because that's something that he had to overcome early on in his college career at Marshall. There's two major things that came up in his lifetime, and that was definitely one of them. From even in high school, from going to Harmony to going to a prep school, to just adjusting Marshall. I mean, it, it wasn't that easy. I, you know, I'm not going to lie, and I'm probably the only one that can say this, that there was times that me and him was on the phone, you know, him on the point almost ready to give up. I gave him my point of view, which was I gave him the words that I should have got from a peer or a mentor that it's going to get better. You know, just time, you're homesick, you get over it. You just got to keep pushing. That dream that you have is going to come true and just kept reinforcing it like almost on a weekly basis to the point that he graduated college. I think that's probably one of the best moments that we had was seeing him get his degree. And once he says his mind to something now, it's like, you know, nothing's stopping him. What role did you fill? at the time that his mom passed away when he was at Marshall because we read about the tremendous game he had shortly thereafter earning conference defensive player of the week honors. How were you able to help him through that difficult time? So I'll tell you right now, he get goosebumps about it because I remember getting that phone call from him and because even the time leading up to, you know, unfortunately his mother's passing that when their health was failing and, you know, I just told him just because unfortunately I lost my grandparents around the same time and I'm like, look, just do what you can, spend as much time with her, say what you need to say, make your peace and leave the rest up to God because that's all you can really do. When the time can't actually pass, like the funeral was probably, I've never seen him like that before. I hope I never got to see it again, but he was faced with an ultimatum, you know, either go back to school to play the game, which is like the very next day, mm-hmm. or coach just said, take some time. He's like, nah, I'm, I'm going to play. I'm like, this is what you choose to do. This is definitely your decision. No one's forcing you to do it. I'm going to tell you right now, I've seen pretty much every single college game he's played. That was by far the greatest performance I've ever seen. I've never seen him. And you can just tell he was definitely playing with that motivation that basically from his mother. It's almost like a sign of appreciation to his mother that game. I'm curious, did you get a chance to talk to him immediately after that game? Because, I mean, like you said, it was such a tough decision whether or not to actually go back and play. He decided to do it. Did you get a chance to talk to him directly afterwards? I can't remember if it was that same day or I know it was a couple of days later. But, again, it was just, it was hard. It was definitely, it's kind of hard to explain. Even, like, you know, for me, I get emotional about it because if anything hurts him, it actually hurts me, too. He said he felt good that he did it, just like the usual. Like, you know, he felt that if his mother was here, that she would want him to play that game. And to me, that was a true sign that 
he's maturing. He's really now becoming like a young man and a professional. What was the pre-draft time like knowing that he had a chance possibly to come to the Eagles and his team growing up? What was that period like for your relationship? Even at that senior year, even from the senior bowl up until the point of the draft, I mean, even the combine, because the combine was definitely a hard point in time that he was going through. He was really nervous about it, but, you know, he pushed through. And But then when it came time for the draft, especially that first night, we, we had our hopes when it didn't come. To me, Vinny's like that type of person that we have him everywhere. It's like that underdog story. Since then, I even told him a few weeks ago, you may always be that underdog, how you respond after being that underdog. And when that second day came and that phone rang, like it was, it was over. Like, it, you know, I kind of already figured out. I put it together. It was definitely the Eagles. That was it. That's all she wrote. So he's come a really long way here with the Eagles from being that second-round pick. Now he has a new contract, and he's really kind of carved out a nice role for himself here on this team. What's it been like for you to see him kind of mature and grow into the person that he is today? To me, it's definitely it's a humbling experience. And uh, we actually spoke before the Chicago game, and I even told him that, you know, how proud I am because I've known him since he's been 15, 16 years old. And from making bad decisions to now, like, things that he's doing now, I tell him every day, like, I'm proud of him because I call him the mayor of Marshall of Huntington, West Virginia, because, <laughs> you know, he just gives so back to that community. That's just the type of person he is. And I even told him, I have to go back a little bit. Even when he was in high school and I used to take him to the gym and working out, I told him back then, I said, you're going to make it to the league. I said, you're definitely different. You got that edge that no one else has. I said, you just got to believe it. I don't think he believed me, but, you know, in the end, I guess now he's saying that it was right and anyone can do it. Now, how great has it been, Jeremiah, for you to see him? You mentioned he gives back to Marshall, but you're a retired cop from Neptune. Vinny has gone back and done a lot of stuff in Neptune himself, and he has said that he wants to sort of find the next Vinny Curry, help the next person out down the line. How important is it for you to see him wanting to continue things there where you guys grew up? Well, that was another big point that I emphasized even back then when I told him I'm making it to leave. I told him, once you make it, just remember, like, even the things I'm doing for you, make sure somehow you, in turn, just reciprocate that to someone else. Because there's a lot of kids, male and female, that they don't have that full family support system. They don't have that community support system. I was like, anything you can do to help, you help. And then he comes back. And he responds by putting on his football camp, which to me, you know, these camps could go anywhere from hundreds of dollars to thousands of dollars to being free for all the youth. That right there inspired a whole town, a whole community, even kids from other towns, not even Neptune. And now they saw what he did. And now you can walk around Neptune or Asbury. There's kids with Vinnie Curry jerseys on. There's kids now playing games. I'm seeing and saying, oh, I'm Vinnie Curry. I'm Vinnie Curry. To me, that's great. We need more people like that in these communities. So my next question for you, Jeremiah, transitioning a bit here, did you feel his love of wrestling? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I watched wrestling a lot, and then I stopped, and then out of nowhere, he starts bringing it on, and I'm not sure if you've seen some of his stuff on YouTube with his Ric Flair impersonations oh, yeah. and all this stuff. He took it to another level. Him <laughs> take it to another level made me take it to another level where I'm watching it every day. I'm going to WWE events. If he does have a next career, I hope it is with the WWE because his personality can definitely pull it off. He certainly does have a great personality. You've known him for a really long time. It just seems like he's kind of an easygoing personality. Do you think that's the best way to sum him up as a person? Vinny's got a couple sides to him. One is definitely that. He's definitely easygoing. He's definitely to be laid back. But then the one thing I give him, which truly admire about him, is like his love to not only entertain to also influence and inspire like you. He loves kids. 
if it's anything involving kids, he loves getting involved with it. I always tell him, like, he's definitely an entertainer. He needs to be doing something. I'm glad he's playing football because even his sack dance, I'm like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll see a few more times this Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jeremiah Clark, longtime mentor to Eagles defensive end Vinny Curry, thank you very much for joining us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Thank you, guys. I really love doing these secondary interviews. Yeah. You learn some great insight about the players. I've been here since 2004 on a full-time basis. You're in your fifth season? Fourth. Fourth season. Or four. You learn that everyone has this amazing story, no matter who it is, wherever they're on the roster, they've had to either overcome something, and Vinny is certainly no different. We all knew about the story of his mom passing away when he was in college, but Vinny opened up about that, opened up about being a Prop 48 candidate when he first started Marshall. And in Neptune, New Jersey, it's not like a big town. So when you hear it, it's like, oh, we had to overcome a lot. It's mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear, not just from Vinny's perspective, but from Jeremiah's perspective of just, I'm sure in, in many situations that people can go one of two directions. It's great that you see someone with the heart, not just the talent, but the heart and the character that Vinny has to be able to use it in a positive way. The interesting thing about this podcast is that we're in the building with these guys every day. We see them in the locker room. We hear them talking to reporters about game plans and preparing for the next opponent. And we hear that kind of stuff all the time. But to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and and go a little bit more into their upbringing and, Mm -hmm. and how they got to where they are today, I think that's the really good thing about this podcast. And to hear from people like Jeremiah Clark, who has that inside insight to just being with him on the day he was drafted and, and it's amazing. the story of how he, he supermaned his photo is amazing. Jeremiah, this, Jeremiah unsolicited texted it to me. We'll post that photo when we uh, We're definitely going to post it. And it was just great because he was in a text saying, I don't even know if Vinny remembers this photo. So <laughs> Vinny's going to really remember this photo now. But again, special thanks to our producers behind the scenes, Ricky Shu and Brian Thomas. Thank you to Vinny and to Jeremiah for coming on the podcast. For my man, Alex Smith, I'm Chris McPherson. You've been listening to another episode of the Eagles Insider Podcast. We'll be back next week.